Well, good morning, and thanks for being here for part five, the final installment of the Fellowship of the King. This series is about fundamentals. It's about the ongoing journey. It's about the pursuit of Jesus. It's about being on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Christ. We have been looking at being and making disciples of Christ. This has less to do with um, just a thought, and it's much more about a how-to series and, and a look behind the curtain as, why, as to why we do what we do. I hope that it's been helpful for you in terms of making choices about how we are all going to live this life together. I hope that it has helped you to think about things that you might not have thought about. Um, and today, well, today is our last episode. We want to talk about how we invite people who are not yet a part of the community to become a part of the community. For people who don't know Jesus to learn about Jesus. We care about people and we care about Jesus and we are constantly looking for ways to bring us all into one. So the picture that we have been using to talk throughout this series about the cycle of discipleship looks like this. It starts with trust, then grow, then give, then go. Trust, grow, give, go. We trust we, we have faith. We believe. That's the starting part. And then as that uh, moves along, we grow in our faith. We grow in our relationship and we mature. And as we mature, the next stage is not do I just want to grow for myself, but how do I help somebody else grow? I want to be involved in giving that I can be a disciple and I can help to make disciples. And then uh, after we do that, we, we kind of reach out. It's beyond us. And so we go. We go and we share. We go and we tell. We go and we love. We go and we help. And we do it all together in that growing spirit of into oneness. Into one. And as a church, we have one job to be like Jesus. So, why do we get together as a church? To help people become more like Jesus. So, what would my life look like if I was to become more like Jesus? It, it might be a little bit hard for you to imagine. Um, it sounds so religious or so pious or whatever, but in practical terms, in, in physical changes, in, in real world, real life, easily, to, easily seen stuff, what does that look like? So I want to flesh that out for you a little bit. What would it be like if you became more interesting and interested, increasingly free from anxiety, worry, fear, Increasingly infused with peace, contentment, and joy. Growing in qualities like kindness, patience, gentleness, and self-control. We want to be a community that helps one another become like this. What would it, become, what would it be like if you became more naturally loving and caring, less dependent on the continual affirmation and praise of others, more secure in your worth, your value, and your purpose, less paralyzed by the fear of failure, criticism, or condemnation. What would your life be like if you became inspired and inspiring? To live a life of creative goodness. If you became so refreshed and refreshing that others around you began to notice the positive changes and they ask about your secret. 
What would it be like if you were so filled with love that you could offer it freely even to those who didn't offer it back? Blessing those who curse you and praying for those who hate you. What would it be like if you became so radically risky in your love of others that you start to make religiously conservative people nervous? If you start to live like that, you start to live like Jesus. We're a community where that becoming like Jesus part is, a, is, is job one for us. Everything else leads to that one goal. And I will pursue deeper relationships, not just to get what I want or, or to fill my needs, but also where I can be intentional about investing so that together we might meet the needs of others. So let me give you um, a quick resource to aid you in connecting more deeply with a few. If you have time for only a couple of questions, here it is. What has God been saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? How can I help? Now, you might think to yourself, hey, God doesn't talk to me. Now what am I going to do? Well, then you change the question to, what did you learn from what you were reading in Scripture? Or, what have you been reading in Scripture? Or, what have you been learning when speaking with a friend about God? Or, what have you been learning through the circumstances of your life? Or, what did you learn from the Sunday teaching times? We want to ask the question in a way that we will be able to give credit to God for the learnings that we are doing so that we are not just in the habit of blaming him for when things don't go the way that we want. What is God saying to you in any of these ways? Then, how are you going to respond? If that's all you can do, if that's all you have time for you in this relationship, that's all you can say, then that will never wear out. So that's kind of for us. That's how we can do it. That's how we can grow and we can build some of these relationships. But now, if we were to move out from there onto our larger mission, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The everything includes even the Great Commission because it is one of the commands of Christ. He commands us to go and make disciples. And right before this section that we, that we just read, Jesus said, uh, Matthew 28, 18, this is where we start now, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go. And that's the, honestly, that's the part that scares us more than anything else, right? Go. But it really means as you are going you know, while you go. It's not about leaving where you are to go somewhere else or leaving where you are because where you are is not as important as somewhere else. It's all about mission, a mission that we are all on, everyone, everywhere, all the time. So if we were going to teach people how to obey everything that Jesus has commanded, we are going to need to teach them not to just uh, become disciples themselves, but we're going to have to teach people, we're going to have to teach each other how to make disciples. We need to teach people how to go and make disciples of all nations. We become disciples as we learn how to disciple other people. So we are responsible for the Great Commission. Not just me and not just you or you or you or you as individuals, but we, the church, the big C church, the big C church is responsible. The, the people of God, the fellowship 
of the king. We all have different roles to play. And as the apostle Paul taught, we are all parts of one body. And we're all different parts. Every part has either a prominent or a less prominent role to play, but they are all valuable and they are all interconnected. We all have roles to play. They all have value. And without one, the other doesn't happen. So you know what might be helpful for you here? It might be helpful for you to shoot back in time on our podcast to the series, The Gifted. There we look at and explain to some degree about the gifts of the Spirit and you manifesting or you displaying and and using your gifts for the building up of the church, for the edification of the church. We are gifted and equipped into one. You were given gifts for the betterment of the church. So please use your gifts to better the church. If you don't, then we are not getting all that we need to do all that God has called us to do. You are here because God has decided that we need you and your gifts. We need you. There is something for all of us to do. What can going look like? Well, let's look at a couple of ways that the New Testament church spreads the gospel. Some of these are very specific to some individual people, and some are ways that anyone, some some are ways that all of us can do to be part of this mission. Some of us evangelize through proclaiming as evangelists. Some of us are going to gospelize other people to, to go and tell, to describe and to declare the good news of Jesus. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. He gave them to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. These are leaders. These are offices that God gave to equip the church. Evangelists are one of those leadership gifts that someone will have to lead. Someone's got to take charge. Someone's got to lead the charge. They've got to go forward. They've got to lead the way to connect with non-Christians. Pastors and teachers are distinct from evangelists. But occasionally, we also find that there are pastors and teachers who have evangelistic gifts. Paul writes to Timothy, who is a young pastor teacher, his protege, his buddy, and he says, but you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. You are a pastor teacher, Timothy, and you you are a shepherd of the community. That means that you're there to help them grow in the faith. I know, Timothy, you also have evangelistic gifts and passion, and I want you to also be someone who models that for others. At Into One, we are going to be a place where whether you are a Christian or, or, you are, or, or not, you are going to be encouraged to take your next step towards deeper relationship with Jesus. Some of us will be called into these roles, but all of us are called into the mission. We can all do the next things to some degree. The next one, participating in church life. Now, this is a way bigger deal than you think. Together, we are creating a community where the gospel gets lived out. All those thoughts and teachings and ideas that are conceptual come to life in this community. That This community of faith becomes a visible witness to others, and they may be welcome to join into one with us as we seek to live out these principles. 
What do the teachings of Jesus look like when they're being lived out? We're to be the example. We stand as a display and as an enticement for those not yet within. And it is incumbent upon us to be the manifestation. We are called to manifest the faithful presence of God. Preserving our community, but displaying what it is to be part of the fellowship of the king. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, he says, You, and that word there is plural, so all of us together, we're the you, are the light, singular. All of us plural become one light. We are the light of the world. And then jump down. So he says, so let your, plural, us together, let your light, singular, shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There is a kind of good deeding, a kind of living a loving life that is for others, that we do collectively, that goes beyond us just being good individuals. It's when you see a community with a collective effort saying, we put the effort in. We're going to organize ourselves for compassion, for benevolence, so that we can accomplish um, things that otherwise, as disconnected individuals, we would not be able to accomplish. No matter how good we were trying to be, we could not do these things on our own. And that's a beautiful thing about being in Stouffville right now as the, the ministerial comes together. I've never seen this before where the entire community comes together to offer Alpha as one unit. Beautiful. As part of Restore Canada, the churches have come together to say this is a way that we want to minister to our community, to serve compassionately and, and with benevolence, to say that we will do this together, not to promote a church, but to promote Jesus, to promote the church of Jesus Christ. He said, when, uh, when, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And that is what we are trying to do. We're trying to lift him up, serve the people, and point them to Jesus with everything that we do. So participating in just making the church healthy and whole and Christ-like, that, that, that's an incredibly important way for us to be participating in an evangelistic enterprise. Don't ever sell that short. Next, partnering. Partnering by giving financially. This comes up more than a few times in the New Testament. And this month, we're focusing on the Jaffray offering. Um, resources not just for ourselves, but for the global community. The Apostle Paul taught that all of us have a role of partnering financially. Feeling this communal endeavor. Feeding this, this joint partnership. So Paul says to another one of his, his friends, this guy's name is Philemon. He writes him a letter um, and he says, I pray that your partnership, the word is, there is koinonia, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. As you partner with us, you are also going to deepen your own understanding. As you read on in the book of Philemon, you realize that Paul is talking about Philemon's financial support. So we say, how, how can I organize my life to say, I'm not going to just spend my money on this. I'm going to spend my money on this. I'm going to cut back a little bit over here so that I can invest more over here. You're, you're actually training yourself to understand what the life of sacrifice feels like. In that, you will also discover that it is not as awful or as heinous as you might think that it is. Sometimes it is just as simple as rearranging our finances. 
That is just one of the ways that we can reorient ourselves to understand the mind of Christ more fully. I will no longer be conformed to the pattern of this world. I will be conformed to the image of Christ. What is Christ like? That is how I want to live in every area, in every avenue, in every uh, different venue that I can get myself into. So that's what he prays for Philemon. And then later on, Paul's writing another letter to his, his friends in a church called Philippi. And, and, he, and he tells them, I thank my God every time I remember you. And all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership, your koinonia in the gospel from the first day until now. Well, sounds like a beautiful partnership. What was it like? As you read on, in Philippians, by the time you get to chapter 4, he goes into more detail about what the partnership means. And he becomes clear that the Philippians were financially supporting his ministry. So he says, without you, it would be really, really hard for me to do what I'm doing. That's what Paul was saying to them. And that's what I'm saying to you also, into one. I thank God every time I remember you. I'm full of joy because of your generous partnership. Together we can do amazing things in this town and to the very ends of the earth. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for your generosity. John Dixon, in his book, The, uh, the Best Kept Secret of Christian Mission, says, giving our money to support evangelistic projects, people, and organizations is full and praiseworthy partnership in the gospel. When you financially support the proclamation of the gospel, you are actively seeking to save the lost. Now, I fully understand that we will always have a present excuse to opt out. All the time. Life gives us those excuses, and we have been trained over many years in how to find them. When we're young, you know what? I'm just getting started here. There are so many things I need to pay for and that I'm going to need to pay for. Uh, I'm really going to have to be saving now because I can't afford all those things that I need to buy right now. So I got to save for them so I'll be able to buy them later. I, I just finished school. I have got student loans like crazy. I got to pay these things off, bills and loans. Then a little bit more middle of your life. I wish I could. I want to, but I've got kids. These, these kids are eating me out of house and home. It's all food, shoes, and pants. I can't keep up. The market is at the right place. I need to invest in a better home to raise my kids well and invest my money. What about the cost for my kids' schooling? What about the cost for their weddings? I don't even want to think about it all. When we get older, wow, I'm staring down a fixed income, constantly increasing taxes, costs of living going up. My retirement is not as secure as I would like it to be. My health is not what it once was, and now there are so many unknowns, so many increased costs. You know what? There's never a stage where it's convenient. There's never a stage when we say, wow, I didn't see this coming, but I'm worry-free with way, way too much money. I'd better start giving away some of this money before it chokes me. It's something that is part of the Christ life. 
And it is something that should just become a part of our lives. It's not a legalism around a certain amount. But this church exists because there are certain people who have said, I believe in this enough to make the sacrifices in my life to make room for me to support this intentionally. Would you join those? Would you join and participate sacrificially? Next thing, praying. Praying for harvest workers. Jesus says, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth workers. And that's something that we can all do. Pray for those to be sent. Pray for those while they're being sent. Pray for those as they are already sent. Pray for their provisioning. Pray for their effectiveness. Pray for the dynamic move of the Spirit to come through them in partnership with us all. Colossians 4 Paul's writing another letter to another a group of his friends in the, a city called Colossae. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now Paul's writing this from prison. And he is writing this as a prayer request. Interesting. Okay, so let me ask you a question. If you were in prison and you were writing a letter and you had a prayer request in that letter that you were sending to your church to pray about, to pray for you, what would you ask them to pray about? Wouldn't you ask them to pray that God would get you out of there? Wouldn't you ask them to pray that God would end this hard time? Wouldn't you ask them to pray that God would deliver you from oppression? Wouldn't you ask them to pray that God would vindicate you? That God would trample on your enemies? That God would show up in power and and that great good would triumph over evil in a glorious display of divine justice and retribution? Isn't that what you want prayed over you? I hear that. I resonate with much of that. That is the temptation that I have as well. Guys, help me. I'm being oppressed unjustly for just talking about Jesus. I'm being oppressed unjustly for just doing the right thing. That thought does not seem to occur to Paul. He sees his mission as being for him everywhere and all the time. Hmm, prison, you say? Well, these people need Jesus. Okay, that's what I've been doing when I wasn't in prison. So I might as well just keep having that focus while I'm in prison. So here's my prayer request. Pray that I can be extra clear in dealing with my guards. Pray that God would empower and infuse this pivotal circumstance and that Jesus might be met here by any or all of these people. So Paul seems like a great role model. But until you get to that level, one thing you can do now is to pray for You can pray for and participate that way. In your own case, it'll also help. 
In the midst of the darkness, you pray for light for someone else. In doing that, in pursuing Christ-likeness, the Holy Spirit will fill you and give you peace. He will transform your mind. He will renew your mind. He will give you in ever-increasing measure the mind of Christ himself. Then from that, that passage continues on, and it brings us to promoting. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You promote through life and conversation. They aren't accidents. Those interruptions are opportunities And we'll get to the point where all of us are going to have a conversation at some point about how we will live. Don't be intimidated if you can't be the proclaiming evangelist. There are rules for each of us on this mission. Let your conversations always be full of grace and seasoned with salt, the preserving quality and the seasoning to life. Conversations in person conversations on the phone, and especially the Apostle Paul wants you to focus on this. He wants you to especially focus on adding those things in your online presence. Be full of grace. Be overheard being full of grace. This is something that we can all participate in together. Now, There is just one wee little asterisk over this, the whole thing, okay? This approach to evangelism is predicated on the assumption that we are living lives worth questioning. We're not just nice people. We're not just moral people. But we are going beyond that, and we are displaying a life that is involved with radical generosity of our time, treasure, and talent. An ongoing love story filled with grace and kindness and compassion to my friends and to my enemies. It's, it's not that uh, where your life is right now, uh, if, if that's not where your life is right now, then you need to go back to the beginning and restart this. Well, why do we want to be more like Jesus, right? Because that's the point of the church, that we'll become more like Jesus. Why would I want to become more like Jesus? Go back and listen to those reasons at the beginning. What are the, the benefits? Go back and listen to those ones at the beginning. What should I expect to change? Go back and listen to those ones at the beginning. By the way, this Colossians passage and, and 1 Peter 3, you know that passage, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. That passage, those are the only two passages in the New Testament that command, that assume that everyone should be talking about Jesus. There are numerous references to evangelists and to evangelism, but there are only two passages that say everyone should be directly involved in speaking it out. And interestingly, they both focus on responding to questions regarding your lives. Your life matters. Your relationships matter. The way you live within those relationships matters deeply at a level that you might not fully understand. We can all have conversations. And we want to continue to equip each other to feel more confident and prepared for those interactive times. So what's the next step for you? Into Sunday night? 
That's tonight. Get together, study together, meet some people, say hi, pray together. A chance to connect in a new way. What about serving? Maybe your next step is serving. Why don't you sign up for October 28th when we're going to be doing the Halloween hunt downtown and we're going to be giving stuff out. Can you help us give something out? 30 minutes, an hour. Can you do that? Can you sign up? There's also other ministries. You can be involved with the music. You can be involved with kids' church. You can be involved with our, our sound tech, media, graphic design, photography, drama. If, if you can think of it, if you can find a way to say it, we can find a way to use it. We want your gifts, the gifts that you have. We don't want to tell you to be someone that you're not. We want to give you freedom and opportunity to be who you are well. What about giving? Is your next step giving? Jumping in and participating? What about praying? What about praying? What about promoting? Don't, please, don't just stay where you are. Move forward. Move deeper. Go with your eyes up. Let's pray. God, thanks for your presence with us. Thanks for the work that you have done in our midst, for the, works that, the work that you are doing in our midst. May they continue. May they increase. May they intensify. Will you continue to partner with us to make a difference in the lives of the people at Into One and the lives of the people who are not yet at Into One and the lives of the people who have no interest in ever becoming part of Into One? Will you give us the ability to make a difference in this town? Use us. Use our gifts, use our talents, use our treasure, use our time. Take them all. Use them, please, we pray. Partner with us. Go forward with us. Help me to process the pain in my life by, by serving you and, and concerning myself with the pain that are, that's around me as well. Heal us. Make us whole as we earnestly pursue you, Jesus. Don't let us stay where we are. Take us to that next step, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Well, it's better when you're here. It's better when we're together. The more we connect, the better it gets. As you're preparing to go, I want to remind you that you don't just walk out. You are going. As you go, take the mission with you. I am sending you forth, reminding you that we are Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and mission-focused. We are on mission, everyone, everywhere, all the time. Have a fantastic week, and I look forward to seeing you next week as we start our brand new series. Don't miss out. Be here. Thanks. See you next week.